Another business hit with a ransomware attack. Issues with cybersecurity have shut down yet another Midwestern company. The data breaches put the information of millions at risk. Here to give you peace of mind in an industry that moves faster than the speed of light. This is your weekly tech in. Hello world, this is Patrick Souls, the founder of Soul Tech Solutions, and welcome to the Weekly Tech Ed Podcast, where we give you peace of mind working with an industry that moves faster than the speed of light. If you use Google Chrome, you are a part of approximately 87% of people in the world that use Google Chrome. That is a huge number. That is a huge, huge number. Um, it's it's approximately it's actually I think they say approximately eighty seven percent, and I actually think it's a little bit lower than that because there's a lot of people using Chromium based web browsers. That's probably factoring into that, but that's not the point here. The point is that there is now a new winner in second place. It used to be Mozilla Firefox, and it is no longer. Approximately thirteen percent market share is owned by Microsoft Edge. They're winning it out. Um, so <laughs> I thought that was really interesting when I saw that news come across my emails uh, earlier this week. Um, I myself, um, I'm in the Apple ecosystem, so I'm using Safari more than anything. But if Safari is not working with something, I'm using Edge. I'm, I'll be honest. Uh, when I'm in a Windows ecosystem, Edge is my preferred browser. But that's just me. Uh, I, I realize I am in the, minor- the minority here. Um, so I'm really curious if you're listening to this podcast and you uh, care to uh, uh, contribute to my poll, go ahead and shoot an email over to questions at soultech.solutions. I know it's not a question, but bear with me. Uh, and let me know what browser you use and why you like it. And um, if I uh, if I see anything interesting, why not even talk about it here on the show? But uh, yeah, chances are most of you are going to tell me why Chrome is way better than Edge. I want to hear it. I want to hear the hate. Bring it on. So it turns out that there's actually a pretty good reason why Microsoft Edge is becoming more popular. And no, it's not because it's turned on by default when you install Windows. <laughs> it is actually because they have been working really, really hard on implementing a ton of new and useful features that... Um, uh, honestly, I think a lot of people were already using extensions in Chrome to accomplish. Um, and some of them, uh, they're not even borrowing from popular browsers like Firefox or, or Google. That's their, it's their own creation. It's really cool. Uh, first and foremost is going to be workspaces. If you have the latest version of Edge, check this out. I think it's awesome. Um, you can have any number of workspaces associated with your uh, profile on Edge, and you can then share those workspaces with other people. So let me give you an example of what workspaces are. You switch to your workspace and it becomes like um, a shared set of tabs Um and you, you can customize and personalize them for spe- specific things. So like the examples I have are like um, this this workspace is for vacation planning and it's shared with my significant other. Uh, and it's got the uh, places we want to go. It's got where we book tickets um, and all the tabs open for all of that. 
and then uh, maybe you really like crafts and you've got tons of Pinterest tabs open. And uh, if you're like me, you probably save browser tabs open to remind you to go look at the thing that uh, you wanted to look at, but you didn't have time when you saw it, right? So maybe you have like 32 different craft project tabs open, but you don't want them sitting in your browser all the time. So you throw them in a workspace. Um, and then your family is planning a surprise party for your dad. And so you've got a, a workspace shared of all the different things you're planning. Maybe you're taking them out somewhere, so you've got reservations somewhere. Um, these these craft ideas, maybe you're doing a custom cake. Uh, so you get all the tabs shared for the recipes and, and all that stuff. All your browser uh, uh, windows tabs um, shared amongst the other families that aren't dead. Um, and then maybe you've been looking for a new car. So you've got research you're doing on that car. Here's another workspace. So you have all the different tabs and the different cars you're looking at and models and research and, and that sort of thing. And then... Every Edge browser that you have signed in with your Microsoft account will have access to these workspaces and persistent tabs. Whether you close it, whether you hop on another computer, whether you hop on a tablet or your phone, you open up these workspaces and there are all your tabs just like you left them on the last device you had them on. Uh, and if they're shared tab or shared workspaces, same thing. So you can see how like at first you're like, oh, am I really, really going to use that? But then like over time, like just trying it a little bit, uh, you'd be like, wow, this is incredibly useful. I know for a little bit of time when I was using Edge primarily for business, uh, I used workspaces to sort out the different categories of business. Like this is the stuff that for the tech side of things, and this is for my billing and accounting and, um, you know, and that sort of thing. And uh, this is all my marketing stuff. Uh, and I had separate workspaces for that. And it was so, so convenient. Um, the other cool thing they've added recently is a built-in, completely free VPN. Now, I don't want to overhype this um, because part of this caveat is that you get a complimentary five gigs of data. And as far as I can tell, there is no way to purchase more if you like it. Um, if you're the kind of person who needs to mask your IP address and traffic for more than five gigs of data, maybe you need to consider um, a separate VPN service or even an at-home VPN. But that being said, um, when you're out traveling, this is perfect. Built into your browser, easy to use. It's just a couple of clicks to turn it on. If you're at McDonald's or at a hotel or something like that while you're traveling and you need to check your bank account or something else important like that, go ahead and flip that VPN switch on real quick and then you're safe to do what you need to do. Turn it off so you're not wasting that, that complimentary data you have. Um, so again, built into it. And uh, you, you also get the option to mask your location, your physical G, like GPS location related to the IP address, um, which is not something every VPN does. So that is very convenient as well. Uh, and they just to, just to go down the list of the other cool things they've been doing at Edge, autofill for forms. Safari has done this for a while and I love it. Uh, so it's nice to see it in another browser. Um, Google does it sometimes i don't know why theirs is so buggy um and also they like fill half the screen when you click any text box and that's annoying but uh so I, i'll be honest i haven't just tested edges autofill for forms yet but it's a nice feature to have uh web catcher web capture excuse me is also very great um if you're not can 
um, familiar with using the snipping tool, or if you just want to save some time web capture in edge to grab just a portion of the screen. I think most people are using the snipping tool or screenshots to grab web, web pages anyway. So, uh, you can grab just a, a snippet of a, a window or the entire website as it scrolls down, um, using web capture. And again, in just a few clicks, uh, read aloud. If you're the kind of person that wants to know what an article says, but you've got, you don't have time to sit down and read it. You're multitasking uh edge will read aloud any website that you you can open up in edge and then of course all the slew of copilot stuff that we've talked about on a regular basis so here's some uh some cool things that edge can do if you may not have heard of if you're the kind of person who just disables it immediately as soon as you get a new computer or an updated version of windows give it a shot see what you like about it see what you don't um, and if you don't like it it's still easy to set it a different browser as your default browser. 66% of small businesses are concerned about cybersecurity risk. And by 66% of small businesses, I do mean like the decision makers and owners of small businesses and that sort of thing. 47% of them admit the lack of understanding to protect themselves from cybersecurity risks. And 32% think they have enough budget to protect themselves. So uh, this is obviously a cascading problem. Um, so if you are someone who is uh, on the fence about what you need to do or how much you need to spend, or if you need sort of cybersecurity um, measures or protection in your business, this is for you. If you are someone who works in a business and are not a decision maker, maybe these are some of the things you can do to prove to those decision makers uh, that you need some um, you need some sort of cybersecurity measures in place. So very first thing you need to do is, is uh, Quanti start quantifying things and how you're going to start this is by measuring incident response so uh the easiest way i believe is to just look at a previous incident that happened someone opened a phishing email someone got a virus someone had some pop-ups on their computer see how long it took to resolve that problem and stop it from occurring uh or or not not stop it but like stop stop the existence of it right to, to end that response or that problem um and then get back to working in a normal way. So that's that's your measurement from the moment it was noticed to the moment that you could get back to work in a normal fashion uh, and measure how long that time uh, is. Uh, according to uh, a uh, survey, not a survey, uh, it was a report from Pingdom. Um, if you're a small business of 20 people or less, every minute that it took to resolve that problem cost the business $427 every minute. If you are greater than uh, 20 people, then the average cost per minute jumps all the way up to $16,000 per minute of downtime. Um, now the key thing here is that's going to, that's going to be your initial wow factor for most of you. Um, but it doesn't end there. That's just downtime costs. Now, you need to consider what the legal consequences of those kinds of things would be. If there is a data breach, um, how much is the company then liable for, for any sort of data breach of their customers or clients? Uh, short answer, all of it. Uh, <laughs> so um, that 
is that the the monetary cost of that is a little bit more difficult to 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 just kind of suggest. So I would definitely talk to um, an attorney, a business attorney, or uh, a cybersecurity cybersecurity specialist or consultant about what that kind of number looks like. Uh, and then you start to get to the things that you can't quantify quite as well, but you can put ideas. Uh, you, you can make it seem real, right? Um, and that is things like reputational damage. How much business are we going to lose forever because we had a cybersecurity incident that went public? Um, and then you can kind of just keep going from there. So uh, it's 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 a tough decision or a tough conversation to have. Uh, but your fir- first and foremost, money. It's any any cybersecurity incident costs money, a significant amount of money, uh, and that is in downtime costs, and then costs uh, for liability, and then costs for recovery, uh, because it, you have to have a specialist. If it's something like ransomware, you have to have a specialist come in and take care of it. If it's something like a simple virus and you don't have local IT or um, on-staff IT people, then you have to take it to someone else. And I'm sorry, but hourly costs for that kind of thing are always going to be substantial. So... Uh, there is that an immediate monetary cost uh, with a cybersecurity incident and then dealing with legal consequences and reputational damage of uh, a public incident or uh, I mean, it doesn't even have to be public. If, if you have a small data breach and it affects just a couple clients, you, you can guarantee those clients or customers are going to then go tell other people. And that's just, it's a tough thing to overcome and it takes years to overcome. So the name of the game is prevention. You really just want to get ahead of these kinds of things and uh, a good uh, uh, consultation, um, cybersecurity consultant or, or uh, IT service provider will be able to do a, a sort of an audit and, and consultation to see where you need to go to get to the point of preventing these kinds of things from happening to minimize your risk. Uh, and it ultimately is going to end up costing the company a whole lot less money. And that's it for this week's tech. And if you have any questions about what you heard in today's episode, or if you have questions you'd like answered in a future episode, please feel free to reach out by emailing questions at soltech.solutions. Again, that's questions at S-O-U-L-T-E-C dot solutions. And until then, thank you for listening. This is Patrick, logging out. <laughs>